What's up, everyone? It is Monday, and you know what that means. Another episode of Coffee with Colin. So it's time to grab your favorite cup of joe. I believe tonight I'm drinking a, uh, a nice vintage of Pete's coffee. Uh, so whether it's a cup of coffee or an adult cocktail, feel free to grab whatever you would like and join me for the next hour of ah, stimulating conversation. You know, this has been an awesome season one. And uh, we're coming to the close of season one of Coffee with Colin. But don't worry, we're going to be coming back with season two in a few weeks. And um, tonight's guest is uh, someone who I have a lot in common with. As a former football player myself, um, I played high school football. I was a scrawny, dorky little teenage kid. But every time I would go to uh, my high school football games, I would always see like, you know, the, the cool guys out there in the football field, like banging heads. And I was like, that's what I want to do. But my mom always thought that I was too skinny and that I was going to get killed out there on the football field because I was so skinny. So I convinced her my sophomore year. I said, mom, dad, this is what I really want to do. And they could tell that I was so committed and I was so inspired to just get out there on the football field that they armed me with an Arnold Schwarzenegger workout book and a gym membership to my local gym. Now, that was all because I was just so, like, they could tell I was going to do it. There was nothing that was going to stop me. And after lifting weights for a few months and building, putting on, like, maybe, like, four pounds of muscle, they finally allowed me to try out for my uh, sophomore football team. And the first time I got hit with that football, when I was given that handoff, my clock got rung. But you know what? It was the most thrilling experience of my life because I now felt like I was in the arena and that is what life is all about. Life is all about getting in there, getting dirty, getting messed up, getting that bloody nose and learning from the experience. And it's from those experiences that we get better. We, we gain whatever it is that we need in order for us to start elevating and to just learn more and to get better with whatever it is that we're doing in life. And uh, before I bring my uh, my guest on here, because he is a former NFL football player, so I can't wait to ask him about what it was like knocking heads with professional football players. Um, he's also a real estate agent now, and so we're going to be talking about how he pivoted from professional sports into being a successful real estate agent. And for a lot of people out there right now who are having to pivot in their lives, all of us are having to learn to do things differently like we have never experienced before for a lot of people and you know including myself it can be anxiety inducing it can be scary it can be it can leave you in a place of not knowing where your next how to make that next step and anxiety and stress is caused when we just don't have a certain future and uh, in this next hour we're going to be talking about what it means to pivot and how to create that certainty in the face of not knowing where to uh, where to go. A lot of people have been laid off. A lot of people have been uh, transitioning relationships and it's left a lot of people in a place of just not knowing where to go or what to do next. So in this next hour, we're gonna be talking about how to embrace uncertainty, how to embrace change, how to use it to your advantage and how to then level up to, uh, to create more of what you're looking for in your life. Before that, though, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Picticular. If you haven't downloaded the Picticular app yet, 
please do so. All you got to do is go to your phone, go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, download Picticular. It is the number one movie curating app. And after the end of each episode, Picticular has the list of my guests' favorite movie recommendations. They're the Picticular Pick 6. So after tonight's episode, you'll be able to go in and uh, check out the latest and coolest movies, because a lot of these movies, you know, I've forgotten about. So over the past few weeks, it's been fun to rewatch a lot of the movies that my guests have talked about. So without further ado, I would love for you guys to all put your hands together for former NFL player. He is a graduate of Ohio University, went to Iowa State University. We won't hold that against him because I am a graduate of University of Iowa, Hawkeye. I'm a Hawkeye. He's a Cyclone, and uh, we're not going to hold that against him. But uh, without further ado, let's bring him on, Mr. Bo Blankenship, ladies and gentlemen. Hands together. Woo! Thank you, Bo. Thanks for having me. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. I appreciate you uh, You spending some time with us on this glorious Monday evening. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So... Um, Okay, so first off, I uh, I, I want to just I, I got to know what this is like, man. So, you uh, you've been an athlete, you know, growing up pretty much your whole life, right? You're from Oklahoma, I understand. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you you find yourself you're you're playing high school football. Uh, were your parents as precautious about letting you play football as mine were? No, no. We uh, no. I started. I started at I think I was six. Years okay. Old. I was playing tackle football like really young, so. Uh, probably, I guess, a little bit the opposite. So we were, you start really young in Oklahoma. So. Yeah, well, your neck is a little thicker than mine. So <laughs> I'm sure your parents were like, yeah, I think you could handle it. <laughs> yeah, so what hard. compelled you to want to play football and sports in general? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I always just kind of, grew up kind of watching it, and I knew my dad played. And so I kind of got some interest from that and, uh, you know, hearing stories of him. So then I started kind of, you know, picking it up. And then, I, you know, started at six, and then I, um, realized I had some, you know, some giftings that uh, I could utilize and just kind of, you know, got a little better and better and I just fell in love with it. So would you say, um, when you say you had just natural talent for football, like you were fast, you just um, felt like a natural instinct for how to, how to play and how to yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think a bunch of athletes, some of it, you know, obviously much was God given. So, you know, um, I don't, I don't know. So I was just, I was kind of, not sound arrogant, but I was a little bit, I was fast and I'm strong and, um, it was kind of quick. So it just kind of played really, really well to, to, to football. You know, it wouldn't have been great for, you know, for basketball cause it was five, eight or, but you know, for football, it, yeah. you know, it, it worked out really well. Yeah. So you played through high school and then at the end yep. of your, uh, high school, were you recruited then by, uh, I saw you went to Iowa state, right? Mm -hmm. We yep. won't hold that against you, but <laughs> What was that like? What was the recruiting awesome. process like? Yeah, yeah. So it was a great experience. So my junior year, um, you know, there's some schools talking to me, and the first school to, you know, first uh, big school to offer me was Iowa State, and so I'm a super loyal person, like super, super loyal. And so they were the first one to, to uh, kind of step up and give me an offer. So I was like, that's my team. You know, somebody that believed in me first. That you know, I was I was dead set on them. Um, and Gene Chizik recruited me there, and then he ended up leaving. Um, so I went there, played my freshman year. And then after he left, you know, it just, you know, I just kind of felt like I was supposed to do something else. And so another opportunity kind of opened. Okay. So you transferred to Ohio university, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. yep. And so, you know, a lot of what, uh, I wanted to uh, touch on in the show here, um, is just 
adapting to change, embracing change. Yeah. And, you know, when you had your heart set on, you know, going to obviously Iowa state, you're like, mm -hmm. okay, this is my school. I'm loyal. I'm there. Mm -hmm. And then what about being there? Did you realize like, okay, maybe this isn't going to work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Right. Right. So when did you know to, or when did, how do you know when to give up on maybe that dream that you were pursuing yeah. to then know that, you know what, it's best if I just cut my losses here and, and my better opportunity is over here. Right. Yeah. That's good. Um, you know, your background, but so everything, everything I do is kind of based around faith and the, and the Lord. And so I do, you just kind of get a feeling right when you're supposed to follow and another door opens. Right. And so I just had a feeling there was something like, I know I'm not supposed to be here. And so I just kind of follow it. I didn't know where I was going and then something else just kind of, just kind of opened. Right. And so it's just having that, um, that feeling and knowing, you know, um, where you're supposed to be in timing mm -hmm. and just, but just following and just kind of that faith and, and, you know, letting him lead you. And then something else opening and where you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to be planted at that time is kind of, uh, I guess the best way to, you know, to, to describe it. I don't know if that makes sense. Do you feel like you were giving up on your dream though? When I transferred, it was, it was really, really, it was part of man. This, you know, this door opened up. I'm supposed to be here. This is my dream. You know, my freshman year was going to be good. Then I got hurt. And then, you know, so yeah, it was really, really hard. It didn't feel like I was giving up. It felt like I was, it was a setback and I had to kind of gave me also some energy to, to pivot to something else. But yeah, it, it was very difficult. I wasn't giving up on it. I just I had a different path to get there. Yeah. And what was that? Did you, you have aspirations to play in the NFL? Yeah. Yeah. I always did. That's always been my dream. Um, ever since I was little, that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, it felt like that's what I was supposed to do. And so I just saw, um, you know, this this other avenue as an opportunity to, to uh, potentially achieve those dreams as well. To get there. Yeah. 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 So on a scale of one to 10, mm -hmm. how what ranking would you give your passion for having that dream to to want to play in the NFL? 10. I mean, it was... Easily, right? Easy, easy. Yeah. I mean, it was no plan B, right? That was right. It. That was it. And what about playing in the NFL was so exciting to you and was like, okay, it's because obviously football is a pretty dangerous sport. Mm -hmm. You've got guys that are now, you know, upwards of 330 pounds on the line. Yeah. You're running full speed. You know, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, talk about, CTE and concussions and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, so, you know, knowing that there's that, that inherent risk of playing this sport, because mm -hmm. I played it myself and I've, I've had a couple of concussions myself. Right. Uh, what about having that dream of playing in the NFL was something that made you say, you know what, it's worth it. Yeah. I guess I really, you know, th throughout high school and college, I really didn't think about the, uh, I guess the, the repercussions of it. It was just, that was my goal. I'm very, very determined. Like if I set my mind on something like mm -hmm. whatever it is, I got to figure it out. I got to, I got to get there. So whatever I got to do to get to that level, I have to do it. Right. So I didn't really think about that, but yeah, I mean, it, it really, it was, I, you know, I thought about it all the time and it was the goal and to, to get there. So I did anything possible to, to get my body where I needed to be, to get the stats where I needed to be, to do whatever I could to get to that level. So it, um, but yeah, I really didn't think about the, repercussions of getting nailed all the time and getting, you know, my head right. knocked off and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so like, you know, me going out to Hollywood, the odds of going out to Hollywood and working on a professional yeah. TV or film set, the odds are astronomically low, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if someone said to me, hey, Colin, you know, if I said, yeah, I'm going out to Hollywood to pursue my dream of being an actor. And, and yeah. if someone were to say, well, call it, I mean, the odds are like ridiculously low that that will ever happen. To yeah. me, it it didn't matter, right? Yeah. So yeah. for you, it the odds, it, it didn't matter. It, it was just like, yeah. that's what I'm going to shoot for. Mm-hmm. And right? I, use the, I use the negative stuff as fuel, right? I can remember comments that people have made to me throughout my life. Like, you know, I forgive people for it and I forgive, you know, what's some of stuff has been said, but that was fuel, like literally daily. Like when I was young, people would say stuff like, you can't do it, you can't do it. And then right. that's, I, that was constant fuel. Yep. And so for, you know, a lot of people, I would say, and I, I've let this stop me too, we we listen what other people are saying and because we don't want to look stupid or we have a fear of failing that prevents us from even starting in the first place. So what, like obviously going and shooting for the NFL, the odds are so against you. What if it didn't work out? Like, would you have been like, you know, like what, what, what would you have done? I mean, it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I I didn't have a plan B. And so like I said, kind of faith, just kind of, I guess, go by faith. So whenever that ended, um, you know, I just kind of pivoted and waited for the next door to open, right? And so um, I got there. My dream was to benefit. It didn't look the way it was I wanted it to look, right? So I got there. Uh, and you probably have some of this with some of your, some of the film and stuff you've done. Like, so I got there. I've signed the NFL contract. I've been out there playing with them and everything like that. But then it ended, you know, quick, right? It ended quick, but... You know, I, I achieved my dream of of signing that deal, being on a team, and yeah, and to the NFL like that dream, like it was reality. But it didn't look like the what I thought. It didn't look like the ten year career, and you know, retired, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like it didn't look like that. it looked a lot different. And so I got there, got it done, and then um, again, this other door. I didn't know what we were doing. My wife was we we didn't know what we were doing, so we were just trying to figure it out, jobless, and. Then this just kind of, you know, real estate just kind of caught my eye and that door open. But you're getting no plan B really at the time. Yeah. So you reached a point. So you're you're on the the team, Jacksonville, yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, uh, you find yourself in Jacksonville. Yeah. And how long were you with Jacksonville for? Not long. I mean, that first year I was there for just a few months, I guess. I'd have to go back and add it up for a little bit. I mean, I lived there for... It's a few months, wasn't long. Um, yeah, going through practices and stuff like that, and then just one day, just out of nowhere, boom, gone. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize that the average NFL career is only about two years. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's incredibly yeah. short. Yeah, it's incredibly short, and it's. But while you're there, you're just so thankful. Like, hey, this is awesome, you know. Yeah, like, and it's something that. You know, that can't be taken away from me. Is it, is it the way I wish it would have gone? No, but I'm so thankful to, to have been there. But yeah, it's, it's a cutthroat business. It's a scary business. It's, yep. uh, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think most people focus on getting to that final destination, yeah. thinking that once they get there, then that's the end all be all. All right, that's it. I made it. And yeah. life is yeah. going to be great. Right. But what I've learned from, pursuing my career in Hollywood and getting onto those, the biggest stages in the world. Yeah. You know, once I got there and I was going to all these Hollywood parties and yeah, it's fantastic. It's great. 
But what I realized was the journey getting there was, yeah. was almost more fulfilling because in that process of pursuing what you love, yeah. I, I realized I was learning how to overcome the challenges in my life. And if I hadn't had that goal and had I not even tried, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have become the person that I am. Right. And regardless of whether you, you know, you make it on the TV show or you make it on the NFL football team, right. Right. It's the process where you become, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, you, you gain so much more insight and wisdom and confidence just from even trying. And that is, in my opinion, the key to, um, to fulfillment in life. It's not necessarily getting to that final end destination. Mm -hmm. It's just getting on, on the field and playing no and participating yeah. and, uh, and just knowing that you're, you're in it. No question. Yeah. What you learn along the way to just, you know, people ask me if I let my kid play football and, and what I've learned from playing sports or from losing it, from winning and what it takes to win and what it takes to train. Like what you learn from that translates exactly. more to life than any kind of school you can go to, any kind of anything you can learn. Right. Like right. principles you made in whatever the same thing that you were doing. You learn how to win, you learn how to lose, learn how to train, get better, meet people, do the right things, learning that stuff teaches you so much more how to succeed in life than any, any kind of class or anything you can kind of learn in my opinion. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've got a, a couple of questions from uh, some of my audience members who yeah. wrote in earlier. Um, first question is from, uh, let's see. Amy Krause asks, what inspires you to wake up each morning? Um, my family, uh, my kids, my wife, uh, definitely, um, you know, providing for them, but, um, uh, I'm so competitive. Um, it's just in me that I want to be the absolute best of what I'm setting my hand to do. And so yeah. that, that enough, you know, that drives me enough to get up and grind as hard as I can to, to be the best. And so would you say, uh, the stuff that you, uh, I guess the, the, the things that you learned playing football mm -hmm. now that you're a real estate agent, do you mm -hmm. find that they, a lot of, I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, you find that what you learned playing football uh, has helped you now as a successful real estate agent. What would you say are those things that you, uh, you learned playing football that now translate for your success as an agent? Yeah, it's actually a direct correlation. Um, you have to find some of the kind of the parallels between sports and business and, and whatever it is. So, um, you know, like I said, learning how to win, learning what to do, whether that's getting a development or getting this client or doing that and, and positioning it in the right position to sell and, and buying it at the right time and renovating and flipping and do the right things to, to, you know, to, to make the profit or whatever it is. It's the same, it's the same kind of mindset of doing what you have to do to get better to get the best outcome, right? And to succeed, right? It's the exact same steps for that as it is this. It just looks a little bit different, but it's the exact same thing. So having that goal that you're aspiring towards, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and then, work and work backwards. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So now you, you actually own your brokerage, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so you, you run a team mm -hmm. Yeah. and how many brokers do you have? We've got 50, we've got 55, I think with us right now. Okay. Yeah. So you are essentially uh, 
Are you the managing broker then? Mm -mm. So I hired somebody to run the help run the brokers. I oversee like high level stuff. Okay. You know, like where we're going, vision stuff, um, you know, financials and stuff like that, and who we're bringing on. But I have a broker pay a full time to kind of help manage it. Okay. And would you say a part of your job is to keep inspiring and motivating the agents that are on your team? Yes, definitely. So, yeah, for sure. So they're all independent, the 55. Then I have a small team of five that we get together every Monday and uh, definitely keeping those guys on pace and the energy high and, and leading them and helping them. But same thing with the whole brokers as well as we try to lead them and use examples and, and uh, helping people succeed because we want them to be massively successful. Okay. So um, if you could just share with us, because I know there's a lot of real estate agents out there and even even if you're not in the the real estate uh, world, if you know if you are running a small business and you've got a team that you you have to inspire and motivate and keep keep on track, um, what are some things that you do to keep your team engaged and uh, keeping their eye on the prize? Right, it's tough. Right, it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think really kind of. Um, you know, watching how I work and the effort I put in, I think they, that just kind of, they pick up on it. Right. And so leading by example, uh, is probably the first thing and then keeping in touch with them like daily. I talk to all of them pretty much daily and we meet every Monday, go over our goals. Hey, what are we doing? What's going on this week? Here's where we are. What can we do to get better? How can I help you? And just constant communication, but you know, but still, you know, outworking and we're working just as hard and, and leading them in that way and seeing what I'm doing. And then they can pick up on that on that stuff and kind of uh, just kind of mirror what, what I'm doing. So kind of, I guess, lead by example would be the best way. Um, but it's hard to keep people energized. I mean, it just is right. If you don't have it in you, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to teach somebody to, to be hungry, right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So some of the coaches that you've had playing football, mm-hmm. um, was it Tom Coughlin? That was your coach in Jacksonville? Uh, no, it was Gus Bradley. Okay. Gus Bradley, yeah. Okay. And what would you say are, would be some of the, uh, the great qualities about him being a coach and a leader that, uh, that you have taken with you? Yeah. So I would say, um, I've learned from, since I've had so many coaches throughout my life, I've taken bits and pieces from all of them and what traits have been good and what traits I didn't like, you know, uh, Gus is a fantastic coach. He's a defensive coordinator now for, uh, the Seahawks and his, his, um, way of coaching was a much more laid back approach and, you know, a little more, a uh, little more chill and friendly environment. And then I've had coaches that it's in your face and, you know, just like the, what's your vision locker room, customer, <laughs> yeah. that, that whole, that whole kind of scene. So I've had, you know, bits and pieces from both. Um, but the best, you know, the best coaches I've had have kind of, um, you know, just kind of shot you straight, not overreacted either way, right? Congratulate your wins, but don't kill you on your losses, right? And so, um, you know, celebrate what you do well, and then correct what you do bad, but don't don't beat them up, beat them to the ground when they mess up. Those have been the best kind of coaches I've had. So, do you feel that individual players though respond better to different styles of coaching? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So, what I've found is that. The coach, the best coaches I've had were the ones that knew how to individually speak with the individual players and knew what was their little thing that motivated them. So some of the guys needed to get yelled at. Other guys, like if yeah. you yelled at them, you could tell they were like yeah. about to, like 
Um, and some needed a little more encouragement. And I would say from my experience, that has been, uh, one of the, the key factors in, uh, in the success of a coach that, um, and any of my coaches. And, uh, I, I would say another big one was my high school football coach. I was my sophomore year. I was a, uh, uh, I hadn't even really, we, we played summer ball and mm-hmm. my coach could tell I was fast and, you know, I had good hands mm-hmm. and before even playing a single snap in a real game, uh, my coach, because we were family friends, I remember we went to this party one day and in the summertime and he started introducing me to everyone in the party as his star wide receiver. And I'm like, looking at this guy, like I, dude, I haven't even like, played a real, I mean, I never, I mean, played backyard high school, backyard football, you know, but with the gear and the helmet and the, I mean, I look like a toothpick with my skinny neck and <laughs> like a bobblehead doll. And here my coach was introducing me as his star wide receiver. Yeah. And that in and of itself, it was like, okay. It was like he planted that seed of expectation yeah. for yeah. me then to live into Right. So it was like he had created that vision for me so that when I did walk on the field, it was like, yep, I, I mean, it was just like, I stepped into that reality that he had created. Right. And I think and the more that, remember, right. What's that? Then look how you remember it. Like the words impact people so much, right? You Absolutely. Remember, you know? Absolutely. So when we, yeah, when we can create that inspiring future for other people to live into, much like when John F. Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon in 10 years. And he, I mean, what a galvanizing, you know, inspiring goal to shoot for. And it was just like when you as a leader can create that kind of a, of a, of a, a goal or a story that you can enroll your employees into, I think that is the best way to get people to show up at work, want to show up at work, because right. for them, it's not just like, picking up the phone and making cold calls. Right. It's like, all right, what is the bigger end game here? What is the bigger vision that we're trying to do as a company? Right. And if it's just all about the bottom line and shareholders, forget mm-hmm. about it. Right. Like, no one is going to be inspired to show up. Right. And yeah, when people have expectations of you too, like, like you were saying, like you're going to work so much harder, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the accountability from the team telling people, Hey, how did you how did you do this? What did you put a contract? What lessons did you get? You know, when you have those expectations of people, they're just gonna work so much harder. But that yeah. like we're just speaking it and, and talking about it and making it real, uh, it's just so much better and so much more achievable and yeah. uh, carrying the weight, they'll perform better. Yep, exactly. Uh we've got a, a question here from Mimi Selva. She asks, What are some tips for people contemplating getting into real estate? What would you say? Um Man, that's that's tough. Um, you know, I'd, I'd talk to some people that are in your market and kind of see what the market's like, um, and I'd figure out kind of what you're good at. And, and oh, you know what? What? My mom is calling. Do you mind if I take it? <laughs> yeah, take it. Hi, mom. Hey, Colin. I'm doing a talk show. I I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's my mom. Hello. Hi, Bo. Hey. I. I wanted to ask him a question. Oh, okay. Bo, do you mind if you answer? Yeah, please, please. Ask, answer a question from my mom? Yeah. Okay. Because you guys were talking about motivation and all of that. And I am a psychologist. 
psychologist. Colin knows this. So I think about how people's minds work and how kids work. And can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. So my question, Bo, is when Colin was growing up, he told you when he wanted to play football, I was, oh, no, you're going to get hurt. But when he decided he was going to do it, and his brother also, my attitude was this. I will wash your clothes. I will feed you healthy. I will drive you to your practices. I will do anything to help you to be whatever you want to be. However, don't expect me to show up at those games. <laughs> that is your thing, not mine. If it's really important, I'll come. But I don't like it. I don't like sports. So. <laughs> That's true. Hey, Mom, would you mind turning the volume down on, I think, your TV? or? Oh, it's my computer, maybe. Okay. So anyway, here's my question. My, I tell other mothers that, you know, like who were like there in every game and they're like all into it. And I think they're crazy. And I tell them that, you know, and they always act like I'm such a bad mom because I didn't show up. Right. Um, however, here's the thing. Um, they did fine. What do you think, Bo? It's like, what kind of influence was your mom in your football and your desire to go out there and play and do well? Did she, like, was she there all the time or did it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, did she yeah. like I did? Here, I'll take you. I'll do anything, but I'm not going to sit there. That's a, uh, that's a good question. So my mom... My mom and my dad were the most crucial part. Like they were a pillar. So my mom, I mean, when you're playing football, like she, you know, I was a running back. So every time I ran the ball, it's like she was running with me. Like she was, <laughs> I got her, it was really, really tough for her to watch. Right. So I get that. So she was in the games <laughs> just as much as I was. So, uh, but no, she was a pillar for the whole thing. And, um, you know, making them proud was probably, uh, the most motivating thing for me is making them proud, you know? And so seeing them happy and they didn't love me because of that, but it was just nice. They loved seeing their son succeed. And so making them proud yeah. was a huge thing. And she was an absolute pillar um, in, in my whole life. Like she's just, but I know what you're saying about watching the game. Like she struggled hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my mom is from Ireland. She didn't really, you know, grow up with sports and yeah, I mean, he, when you grow up with it, it's a different thing. But my dad yeah. was always there with the, you know, the giant old VHS video <laughs> recorder. And then we would come oh. home and, you know, I'd tell my mom about the games. Um, so yeah. mom, let me ask you this. Uh, did, did I make you proud? You did. You always okay, did. Good. But Colin, all you have to do is breathe to make me proud. <laughs> oh, thanks mom. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It, it was never for me about what you did it was great if you did it and if you loved it and you were proud of it that's awesome but right. like i said it didn't matter to me if you act if you do real estate if you play football it doesn't matter as long as you're doing what you want to do and you're happy yeah you're not mad at me because i don't want to do it with you <laughs> right, right. yeah no i don't want him to succeed though whatever he says hand to you know yeah yeah and we yeah. did, you know, there's things that you do love to do that we oh, right. do together as well. So it's, right. we did yeah. a lot of stuff together. 
but just not sport. I'm not a sporty person. I took yeah. into a lot of plays and those kinds of things and yeah. concerts and I kind of that side of it. Yeah, I would do. Yeah. Um, I had one more question for Bo. Okay. Go ahead. We are we're like investing in real estate. Colin and I have a little like we have a little investment going in some real estate too. And I just kind of wanted to ask you what your opinion was about investing in real estate now and is it still like is it still a good thing to do because you know with this financial climate uh, mm-hmm. I get worried. Right, right. I mean I'm I'm obviously super biased but I see the wealthiest people I know and the people that have built the most wealth is through real estate, right? Hands down. I, I, uh-huh. Millionaires, well, you know, the rich people I can think of, right? It's through real estate, right? Whether that's long-term holds, apartment holds, um, or, or developing specs or, or something like that, they have been able to create the most wealth of anybody I've, I've met. So, so that alone, I think, um, is a good, right, right, the right path. But I think, you know, this market, and what's going on i think people are are taking money out of the stock market and putting it here so we're seeing a super hot market i don't know what it's like in chicago but um our market it's, it's still solid yeah i'm mean, like we're yeah. insane right like our market's literally insane so um yeah i think it's a good i think it's a good investment right it's a tangible asset that you can you know use and you can unload and it's you know i'm i'm more bullish on the real estate market than i am you know stocks and stuff like that yeah yeah that's that's encouraging yeah my mom and i own two multi-units and uh we're starting to build our portfolio so it's uh the smartest thing possible yeah so well colin did this for me after after his dad died um he just realized that i was you know the longer i lived the more money he wanted me to live a really nice life and decided that by doing this that would kind of like increase what i'd be able to do and yep. uh, so far, so good. So yeah, you never know. We may uh, we may have to ask Bo about investing down in uh, yeah, down in Florida. Come on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, good to see you, Mom. I'll let you go, guys. Yeah, nice meeting you. Talking to me, Bo. It was nice meeting. This is the first time I ever called in, but I. <laughs> well, thanks for doing it. Now you made up for a mom. Don't worry. <laughs> Take care, darling. Okay. Love Bye. you. Bye-bye, love. Bye. Bye. She's awesome, man. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for uh, answering those questions. You bet. You bet. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, just uh, before that, we had the question of uh, tips for anyone who oh, yeah. is getting into real estate. Yeah, figure out. There's um, – you know, getting in real estate, you kind of have to know what your strengths are. It's hard to, uh, this may sound bad, but some people like have it and some people don't, right? It's hard to, I guess, create it. You can learn to be a good, you know, good at it. But um, I think learn the environment and learn what your strengths are. Are you, uh, you know, social or what's your sphere look like? Because that's who you're going to be selling to when you start. So I think look at who your surroundings are and what you're good at and whatever you're good at, double down on it. And if it's, if it's selling, I think jump right in, you know. How do you prospect? How do you get clients? Um, we've built up enough business and uh, some calls coming in, but my team, will, they will call around and we'll do mailers and, and some of that kind of stuff. But a bunch of what I do is on the development side. I do a bunch of 
uh, land package spec comes is what a bunch of my businesses, and then we will have listings as well. Okay, so I generally tell anyone because I've had my broker's license now for two years, and mm -hmm. I got my broker's license as I was telling you earlier, basically to transact my own investment yep. properties. Uh, but for anyone who's looking to get into residential real estate mm -hmm. brokerage, being an agent, um, I generally say that it's going to take a good solid year before oh, yeah. you're going to actually start monetizing. And so don't expect yeah. day one for you to show up and start being like, all right, I'm going to get some buyers and, you know, get a listing. Because even if you do have some buyers or if you do have a listing, you know, it's generally two to three months before a closing happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can figure out and make it here um, and you can crack into the your market and be the best in your market. It's a literally limitless the amount of income you can make, right? So if you can figure out a way and tough it out and get to that point, right? There's no cap and that's why people get into it. There's literally no cap, right? But so if you can tough it out and figure out a way to break through, but your first year, yeah, you won't make a dime probably. Hopefully that's not true for right. Yeah, yeah. And so as you mentioned, it's about uh, your sphere, and a lot of it has to do with how willing are you to just reach out into that sphere, yeah. and everywhere you go, you know, just yeah. spreading the word, social media, leave your business card everywhere you go, and basically just keep being that that uh, generator of energy and momentum. So that when anyone is thinking of buying, selling, that you are top of mind and however you can be creatively top of mind for anyone, then obviously, you know, that's the question. That's that, that process of grinding it out is how where football and sports and, you know, your industry and failing and failing to getting told no, getting told no, getting told no, and then breaking through like that grind, like, mm -hmm in the grind and getting through it and then breaking through that's where that's where it's at right if you can't get through that then you're gonna have a hard time but that's where the i think the great people are made is through that process yeah and what to do to succeed right so you have to figure out all right i've got to change all right this didn't work and i gotta do this and i gotta pivot here all right this is the path um, and figure out how to make yourself better to get to that place yep um i have a question for you uh from my little real estate uh, experience here, how do you deal with clients who are more on the difficult side, who are very demanding, uh, want a lot of your time, maybe have unexpected, uh, unrealistic expectations? Yeah. Do you just at a certain point say, you know what, this is maybe isn't the right fit, or do you just try to, you know, what, what do you normally do with with clients like that? I mean, it's hard. I've only told, I think, one client, hey, I can't help you, right? Um, they they have to be a good fit for me and, and, and vice versa. I want I want them to want to work with me and I want them to, you know, or I want to work with them and I want them to want to work with me, right? And if it's not a good fit, you know, you know, it's just tough, right? And there's some, sometimes you have to tell them like, hey, guys, this is, this is just isn't a good fit. I can't. And you just have to tell them straight to the face. People respect honesty. Call mm -hmm. them in the morning and, you know, seven times to go check on a sign or something. It's just like, that's not, that's not all right. You know? And so you have to kind of set some groundworks. And I, I try to set it at the beginning with my listings. Like, hey, 
you know, I'm going to be here for the negotiations. He's going to help with all the showings. This guy's going to help with this, but I will be here for this and I will spearhead this part of it. Um, if you have any problems, he will be in contact. I said that at the beginning before you say in. There are times it gets out of control and you have to just hit it straight on, you know, just, you know, address it. Yeah. I think that is absolutely key in any negotiation or any relationship, just laying out the boundaries and, you know, good, bad. And, yeah. you know, they say like generally, okay, if we want to list at this, at this price, mm-hmm. you know, just know that within a week or two of getting feedback, we are, we may have to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. a, a a price adjustment, yep. um, just so that they have that expectation or that sure. knowing what's coming down the pike. Because the worst thing that can happen is when someone is blindsided or just doesn't expect something to happen. Yeah. Um, so the more information people have, the more comfortable they are, including bad news. Yeah, and there's more right. If you tell them like, hey, you want you want five five for your house, but your house is really worth four, nine, you know, you tell them this is where I think it is. But if you want to list it here, you know, we don't really like to go overpriced listing, but if you are determined to list it here, all right, let me list it here for two weeks. Let's see how the market absorbs it. If it doesn't absorb it and we don't get the kind of feedback we want, we need to talk about having a reduction and say, okay, all right, in two weeks we'll have this talk. And then that typically is how you kind of smooth that over. Yeah. And uh, do people ever come to you, who are looking to, um, I mean, obviously for real estate investments, um, do they talk to you about, Hey, Bo, I'm looking to get into real estate, investing in real estate. Um, do you have any sort of like education program that you direct them to for anyone who's looking to get into learning how to invest in real estate? Or do you basically say, Hey, this is what I do. I will let you know next time I have an opportunity coming up. Yeah. So I don't have, yeah, I don't really have a place I send them, but anyone that's, listening and they have any questions they can you know dm me or whatever but um i typically tell them what's worked for me because i don't know the um the long-term tenant lease market that well or the multifamily. like i've been interested in multifamily, but our market i'm i live in kind of a resort second home market so our mainly our investment comes from development or short-term rental so buying a home for a million and it does a hundred thousand in rent and your cap rates whatever eight or something like that so that's the kind of stuff we're looking at or the development side so like if somebody's looking for hey i'm looking for multifamily tenant i don't have as much expertise in that market and Mm -hmm. so i would just tell them what i've done and you know what's worked for me and what we look at um when they come to me for that that makes sense but if if there are people that do come to me like hey your next deal i want to invest in and you can get a bunch of people together and do like a uh uh, we'll do a syndicated deal yeah yeah and then put put a plan together and do a development or something so the uh, the homes down in where you're at, mm-hmm. um, would you say like a, a typical, um, let's say if someone were to purchase a an investment property yeah. right there, because um, you're in the Florida panhandle, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I, I went on some, to see some of your listings and some beautiful properties um, ranging, you know, like million, three million, like right around that range. Yeah. So if someone were to, to purchase like a million dollar property, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're, I'm starting to see it all over the place, especially Los Angeles, where I just left. People yeah. will buy a property and then do short-term rental, Airbnb, yeah. um, and I mean, there's those. I mean, short-term rentals are just, I mean, in my opinion, a really great way to maximize your profit potential yeah. um, and not have to deal with 
evictions or anything. If if anything doesn't work out, Airbnb has insurance policies. And uh, I, I would highly advise anyone who's interested in uh, in doing that. Yeah. Um, and if anyone isn't interested in doing that, they can contact you uh, by how, how would someone reach out to you about that? Phone number, email, whatever, social media, any of them, whatever. And they, what's your website that people can go to? Uh, there's uh, on there, blankenshipgroup.com, right? Yeah, blankenshipgrp underscore grp, but the probably easiest way is uh, uh, com. So it's beau.30afineliving.com. Okay. If you just Google Bo Blankenship, you'll <laughs> find him. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no short-term rentals. It's insane. I mean, you yeah, know, especially with this uh, pandemic, people were just coming out like crazy. Yeah, crazy. yeah. It's good to see the uh, the market here in Chicago is uh, is surprisingly um, really hot right now. I mean, it's just uh, yeah. with interest rates being as low as they are, it's just providing you know a lot of opportunity for people to get into properties that they wouldn't normally be able to afford. I heard some like the suburbs and like I guess there's some estates around Chicago. I got a client up there. He said like there's some estates that are right around Chicago that are just getting snatched up. Yeah, there's so, not a whole lot of inventory out there, so yeah. it definitely is a seller's market. That's great right now. Yeah. So, um, all right, we have a couple more questions from our audience here. Uh, let's see. What was your favorite? What was your favorite part about being in the NFL? This is from Nikki Clary. Um, I think just the experience and, you know, just like when you have such a goal and a dream to get there, I think just being there, right? Like just signing that deal and being part of the team, like that's a pretty, uh, that's something I'll never forget. That's probably my favorite part is just being being there, right? And, and, and really just living the dream. Yeah, Even though it wasn't only it was just living that dream and achieving that goal. It's just you know something I'm forever grateful for. And did you actually were you playing in in, no, in the games? I got cut for the season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But dude, you know what? You were there. You did yeah. it, man. Yeah. And, yes, it's not the way I wanted it to be, but yeah, being able to, <laughs> uh, you know, I was able to 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 make it for a little bit, and it was just it's uh, it's thankful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and uh, another question here. Did you have fear? And uh, we did touch a little bit on this. Um, fear about switching from going from the NFL mm -hmm. after that was over with. Yeah. I'm sure there was a, that period of time where you said you and your wife were like, okay, now what? Yeah. And I think a lot of people are finding themselves in that situation right now. What was it and what was your thought process on how do I move forward? What am I going to do? It's super, you know, scary. I just didn't know. I thought another team was going to call me and I'd go play. And we had opportunities to do the CFL and stuff like that. But I just didn't have a desire to to do that. So I, I stayed true and I just stayed here. And, um, you know, it didn't, another opportunity didn't really present itself. And so we we're sitting there like, man, babe, what do we do? And so, uh, yeah, it was really scary, right? And, and this just kind of, I don't know, just kind of opened up. And it always interested me. Investing always interested me. But when you say it opened up, like how? Yeah, kind of, um, 
you know, I met a guy down here that was in it, talked to him, kind of got me interested in it. And then um, that was like the first thing that kind of like drew my interest. And then I guess kind of walking through that door and following him, picking his brain was kind of, I guess, um, saying opening up is just meeting that and that opportunity kind of presenting itself. And so I learned from him from a little bit and then I kind of just kind of branched off and kind of did my own thing. So were you, so this was one person that you talked to who was in the real estate industry. Did you reach out to other people in other industries to kind of be like, all right, I got to cast a wide net or were you just like, okay, now that NFL may not actually be happening. Right. I've always maybe thought about real estate and maybe I'll call this guy. I guess it's kind of hard to, I guess it's kind of hard to explain. It's like it was NFL or nothing. Then I was sitting here in Florida had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't either didn't try to do anything else. I, I thought if I was going to do anything else, I'd start a gym or a training program or something. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of just started talking to this guy. And so I literally went from that to this full speed. I was full speed here. And then when that ended, I took all my efforts and pivoted to here to real estate. Like, so I just pivoted completely and took all the same amount of effort I put in that to this. And what do you enjoy about real estate now that, Gives you that like passion for what you do. I guess just so competitive and being, you know, trying to be the best, you know, and just uh, I like making people a lot of money. Like it's bad. I don't know if that sounds bad or not, but I like seeing people succeed, right? And trust me, yeah. and having good, you know, good outcomes from it. Right? And I yep. enjoy selling the luxury listings. I enjoy uh, meeting the people and and meeting people from all over. And uh, what's super interesting to me is all the clients I meet that are, have these high net worth, how they made their money. Right and how they react and interact, and that's so interesting to me. And that's been probably the, yeah, probably my favorite part is just picking people's brain and getting to know them. But uh, having the opportunity that people trust me with, you know, their, uh, you know, some of their highest, you know, yeah. investments. You know, I love that. Yeah, because real estate was not something that my parents were into when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more I'm learning about it, the more, like you said most millionaires, billionaires have made their, their wealth through real estate. Yeah. So it's just a matter of educating yourself on, you know, starting out small, yeah. uh, getting into maybe a single family home, yeah. rental property, see what that's like, yeah. you know, get a property manager, find, I, I would say, uh, seek out your local invest, uh, invest real estate investment group, Yep. in your area, start talking to local investors mm-hmm. and just start educating yourself. And I, I would say for the first few deals that you're doing, make sure that you partner with someone who's done it before. Yeah, for sure. And finding a contractor who does what he says he's yeah. going to do that's is true. like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's crucial. that's crucial. You know, there's not a ton of downside, you know, with real estate. Obviously there's some risks as, as, as depending on how leveraged you are, but there's not a huge downside. You know, really not. Um, yeah, you just got to make sure that the, the numbers line up. No question. I mean, no and unlike the stock market, getting into a property, it's it's bricks, it's 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 land. You can touch it. It's tangible, right? Yeah, right. You know, exactly. right? Yeah. You can, you can do stuff to make it better or whatever. Like it's, I don't know, but I'm just obviously biased to that. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Well, I'd love to uh, transition now into our particular pick six version of the show. Um, would you say you're a, uh, an avid movie watcher? For sure. Yeah. 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 I love movies. Yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. So this yeah, part of the show is brought to you by Picticular. Again, if you haven't downloaded the Picticular app, do so now. Just go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download it right now. And then after the show is over, you can click in there and you can see Bo's movie recommendations and uh, all of my previous guests' recommendations. So our first question for the Picticular Pick 6 is, what is your favorite movie of all time? This was tough. I mean, Bret Hart has got to be the leader. It's just wait. You broke up. Say that again. There's so many good ones. The Braveheart, probably. Braveheart, Mel Gibson, awesome Classic. movie. Yep. Classic. And tell us what Braveheart is about. It's uh, you know, in Scotland, um, you know, going against the the English, and um, you know, when the hardest part for me is, you know, when they just seeing him lead them to battle and when they, you know, when they kill him and just what he went through to, you know, for freedom, you know, yeah. I just I'll never forget that man. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just an awesome. It's hard to watch, but when you watch it, it's just the best of all time. Gotta be. Yeah. If you are looking for any like motivation and motivation and how to lead a group of people, how to like, how to inspire a group of people, who have the odds stacked against them because this ragtag group of Scottish Highlanders go yeah. against the English military yeah. and they show up for that one battle and they're like, nah, we're not doing this. Like they look across and they see the English army like yeah. with their cavalry and you know their uniforms. Yeah. And this ragtag group of, you know, Scottish, like just tribes people are like, okay, this is just insane. Yeah. And then Mel Gibson comes riding up. In, in his on his horse with the blue paint yeah. and just watch that scene There's everyone no out there if you are looking for a way to overcome the odds and get inspired to just go after and do something that just seems impossible just rent that movie it is amazing it's it, it is it's long but it's amazing it's, yeah and you'll probably be in tears at the end yes definitely all right what was your favorite movie growing up um Growing up when I was younger, I always watched Robin Hood, the cartoon. I was a, I was a favorite of the household. Robin Hood, the cartoon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always watched it growing up. Okay, and what did you like about Robin Hood? I don't know why. I just liked it uh, when I was little. It's just it's just a good movie. And, you know, I always I always liked kind of the hero, I guess. And so yeah. just... Um, Maybe the underdog? The underdog, yeah, I guess. That's yeah. probably what it was. But, yeah, I always just loved it. Yeah. Awesome. Would you say that in any way right now, you're a bit of a Robin Hood with where you're at in life? I don't know. I guess I always, even if I'm not, I always have that kind of, I guess, chip on my shoulder, I guess, you know, have that kind of mentality. Yeah. Know, whether it's true or not. All right. Number three, what is your favorite comedy? This is tough, man. There's so many. Yes. It's just, <laughs> there's so many good ones, but just like, I guess like a classic you know, comedy is dumb and dumber. It's just yes, classic man. You know, it's just hard to beat. You know, but yeah. there's so many good ones. This is that's hard. That's hard. Yeah. An overall classic from childhood till now. It's just that's a hard one to beat. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean Jim Carrey yeah. when he burst on the scene. There's just no one else that can do the things yeah. that he does. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny, man. There's just so many, and there's just classic quotes that are like, 
well, I still say, you know, to my buddies or whatever, just so there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just classic stuff like that. Samsonite and just all of it. Yeah. yeah. So like when he goes to ask the girl that, you know, he's in love with, like if, if there's any chance that she would ever date him, she's like, no, <laughs> like, well, like what, what would be the chance? Like one in like 400,000 million. You're saying there's a chance and it's true. Oh, All it takes is that one little opportunity, one that one little chance. That's a that's a classic though. Perfect metaphor. Um, all right, number four. What is the movie that you are embarrassed to say you love? That's another tough one because there's a bunch of movies I like with my wife. Probably I don't know if I'm embarrassed, but I guess Caddyshack. You know, I mean, you I'm can't like, be embarrassed about that movie. Yeah, that's I, an amazing I, I, movie. That's up there with one of the best comedies of all time. But yeah. That's tough. I mean, I don't know. Um, but Cat Caddyshack, I mean, it's just it's as good as it gets too, you know. Do you do you like romantic comedies? I do. Yeah, I do. I I, I like all of them. You know, I watch them all the time with my wife. Like Notebook. I mean, we see Notebook. I like Notebook. Yeah, that's, I like, that's the movie. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say. I like. Did you ever see my movie? Which Somebody one? borrowed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That one. And there's another one. What's that writer that writes all of those? Nicholas Sparks. Yeah, all those. My wife loves all those, and I like them all. You know, Emily Giffen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. All of them. It's good to see you're in touch with your feminine side. Yeah. <laughs> Who is your favorite male movie character or actor? I did Denzel. He's awesome. Absolutely, man. Right. Can't go wrong with Denzel. You yeah, say, uh, what would you say? One of his, one of your favorite movies of Denzel. Man on Fire. Have you seen that? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. A movie, Man on Fire. Like that's up there with what, probably the top five for me of all time. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Denzel is definitely someone who uh I mean, just you feel his emotions. I mean, he's just you just pulled you get pulled right into I mean, I mean Book of Eli's all I mean, all of them. I mean Equalize. I mean he's got so many good ones. Did you see Safe House? Safe house. It's with Ryan Reynolds. I'm sure I have. Yeah. That's one of my faves. Yeah. yeah. Really good. And then obviously glory is what put him on the map. Right. That scene where he's just getting whipped and like expressionless and just that one little tear rolls right. down his eyes and right. it's all it needs. He's awful, man. Yeah. Kind of good actors, man. Yep. All right. And lastly, who's your favorite female movie character or actress? That's tough because I guess I'm, I don't know. I don't really, that's, I guess that's tough, but I, um, I'm a huge fan of Suits. Have you ever seen Suits? I've seen a couple episodes. Great show. So I'm a huge fan of Suits and I guess uh, Meghan Markle's in it. So that would probably be my. All right. Her Highness. Yeah. Yes, that's right. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> and what do, you, what do you like about her? I don't know. I just love that show. And she was, uh, I don't know, she's helped make it, you know, I don't know. I just, I think it's probably just my favorite show when she was the lead actor, you know, nothing really particular, you know, I don't have like a, you know, like a falling for her, like I do for Denzel, you know? Yeah. Would you, what would you say are uh, some of her strong qualities? Um, I don't, she was just, she was just good. I mean, I don't know how to really explain it. She was just really, really good at, at with the story and I don't really know. She really grew into it. 
I haven't seen enough in I haven't seen it enough to see her on there. Would you say she plays yeah. like a confident character? Yeah, very, very. Yeah, yeah. very confident. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. follow-up question. What do you yeah. find sexy about a woman? Very good confidence. You know, my wife is super confident. Um, humble as well, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's confident, but but yet being humble and um you know, it's, it's probably the, it's super be attractive to. Yeah. And I would say probably is flip side as well. It's always, it's always about confidence and it's not necessarily confidence and having everything all figured out. It's, mm -hmm. I would say confident in just in your own skin, yeah. confident are, in yeah. just being yeah. who you are and being okay with who you are. And mm -hmm. I think uh, that translates to anything in life, whether it's relationships or business. No question at all. Yeah, be confident. It goes directly with business. But there's a point like be confident and, and being arrogant and arrogance is extremely extreme turn off. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think arrogance is generally someone covering up for an insecurity that something that's missing. But right. when you used to like what what I learned from one of my uh acting classes was, uh, um, you know, when we would start out in these acting classes and you don't, I, you know, I didn't know any of these mm -hmm. other acting, you know, students in the class. When you first walk in, you, I, you know, I was kind of nervous because I was like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know mm -hmm. like what I'm about to do, you know, like um, just, you know, nervous. And my acting teacher had me get up in front of the class and sing a song and then bark it like a dog and make an absolute ass of my, out of myself. And after that experience, it was like, my ego was like shattered. And then it was just like, yeah. okay, this is who I am. And it was such a, you know, that's the freeing experience when you can just like think, just letting go of trying to look perfect or trying to look good and just yeah. approaching something. And especially like as a real estate agent, you know, if I don't know the answer to something, I say, you know what? Um, I'll find that out for you. It's okay not to have all the answers, yeah. but I think being just confident in who you are is uh, no definitely. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, that's great. That's, that's yeah. There's no question about it. That's right on. Yeah. All right, Bo. Well, I appreciate you being here, man, and yeah, uh, thank you for your insight. And again, if anyone wants to get in touch with you with regards to uh, to looking into some investment properties in Florida. Um, just Google Bo, Bo Blankenship at uh, Angle and Volker's Real Estate. And uh, again, man, uh, continued success. Wish you all the best. And hopefully I'll get a chance to come down and visit you in Florida. Yeah, please. Please. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great rest of your night. All right. See you. Bye. All right. Take care. All right, everyone. Thank you again for joining me for another episode of Coffee with Colin. And uh, we've got one more episode next Monday before we take our after season one break. We're going to be coming back with season two at the end of September. And uh, if you are interested in getting a copy of my book, I'm actually going to be starting another book club starting October 1st. So I'm going to be uh, starting to promote it in a couple of weeks. Um, but basically, this uh, book club is going to be a six-week book club based on my book and there's going to be an app that you can log into with some uh, stimulating 
exercises and insight. And a bunch of people from all over the world are going to be in this community. I did this in January and it was a lot of fun. So I've decided to bring it back. So um, if you're looking for uh, a good read, I'm in my humble opinion, there's a lot of great stuff in here. It's not just my stuff. It's stuff that I've learned over my 20 years experience working in Hollywood and, uh, and just, you know, being around some of the top actors, producers, directors, and the seminar leaders, Tony Robbins, a lot of all the great stuff that I've learned in life is in Agile Artist. And uh, again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to see you guys next week. I've got a very, very, very special guest that I can't wait to tell you guys about. And in the meantime, have an amazing rest of your week and, uh, and the rest of your Monday night as well. God bless, take care, and much love.